0: The general consensus is that COVID-19 has ruined everything, and life was better when things were normal. But in this episode, we make three cases for why COVID-mania could prompt long-lasting societal changes that would result in a better America. I'm Paul Dragu, and this is Freedom is the Cure. So COVID mania descended on the world early 2020, and to this day, it continues to punish Americans with a ceaseless torrent of liberty-crushing mandates and rules. It continues to suffocate the economy, and it continues to cause division, lots of it. I want to point out that COVID mania is not the same as the true effect of COVID-19, that being the rare but nevertheless sickness and death that result from it. I'm not minimizing the pain so many in their families have gone through. A definition of mania includes excessive or unreasonable enthusiasm. Additional definitions are linked to mental instability. Based on what has happened since March of 2020, it's safe to say there's been lots of signs of unreasonableness and even mental instability. COVID mania is the illogical, unscientific, disaster-causing, hysterical reaction the world has taken to a disease that nearly everyone survives. Many would add the adjective diabolical, the tragic result of supposed mitigation measures serving as support. COVID mania is the person so successfully programmed the fear that he wears a dust mask while walking alone on a sidewalk or driving in his car. COVID mania is putting on house arrest very low risk young people who have a nearly 0% chance of being hurt by COVID-19, but who are at high risk for depression, drug abuse and suicide. COVID mania is scaring the heck out of everyone with the bi-minute th- case and death ticker, and then shutting down churches, the place where for thousands of years, billions of people have come together during the gravest of times. COVID mania is shuttering thousands of small businesses and thereby diverting everyone to the largest chains, which are already rich. COVID mania is the fights that break out in the grocery store over masks. It's the suppression of proven treatment. It's the nonstop propaganda mills posing as news organizations refusing to report on the mountain of experts and studies suggesting there is an entire other side to this story. COVID mania is millions of Americans who have no context about the greatest killer in history, government despite having more access to information than any other people in history. COVID mania and what, in some ways, it comes down to is the tens of millions of Americans who've been so successfully programmed that they not only defend these draconian, tyrannical measures, but at times they ask for them and they rabidly attack those opposed to them. COVID mania's vaccine passports, having to make the choice between participating in society or not being jabbed with an experimental concoction that came out three hours ago. Anyway, it's safe to say that for the most part, the COVID era has been dreadful. But today we're going to talk about some things that COVID mania has already improved, and if done longer and better, may very well result in a better, freer America. Assuming, of course, that we survive this diabolical operation. Joining me are two very smart colleagues to discuss the silver linings of COVID mania. Wayne Morrow is the JBS vice president who oversees the organization's national ground game, and Peter Rakowski is our research associate, and he does a lot of things, including putting together those wonderful legislative alerts you probably uh, subscribe to. Welcome, gentlemen. Thanks, Paul. Paul. So, uh, Peter, we'll start with you, and uh, Wayne, since uh, you're bringing the overall picture, we'll discuss your point last. Peter,
1: what what good has come out of COVID mania? Well, there have been several uh, positive things, or at least semi-positive things, that have come out uh, on the legislative front. Uh, there has been a few positive developments in the in the in the sense that state legislators are now taking more forceful actions, not only to uh, prevent the COVID tyranny, but also to roll back some of the uh, tyrannical. Or or laws that uh, enable tyranny that have been passed over the past many decades. Uh, one big example of that is many states have limited the powers of uh, public health officials who are unelected. Uh, you know they're totally bureaucratic officials, but they have enormous power over the way we live our lives. And for many years, for many decades, these officials. Uh, you know, if they, if they gave the command, you know, they could shut down churches, they could shut down schools. And they did. They did. Mm-hmm. They could quarantine you, they could isolate you. And there have been many states that have finally limited their powers. Um, according to one article, one study, 26 states limited their powers. So, you know, they can no longer unilaterally impose these lockdowns mm-hmm. or mask mandates or quarantine you against your will. You know, now, you know, elected officials control these policies and even the elected officials are limited because now they, you know, even the elected officials can't impose vaccine mandates or mask mandates in many of these states
0: in 2020, you know, they were shutting down business, at least where I was living, they were doing the same. They're shutting down businesses and putting people in house arrest. Like, how can this happen?
1: Yeah, many of the people making those orders aren't even elected.
0: At, at least in our town, they were part of the public, uh, the county health department. Those people were by far, most of them were not experts on the matter. And even the experts aren't great experts on the matter. They were making these decisions to shut down businesses, you know, the churches. Was this going on when the in the small Georgia town you were living in, Wayne, or was it a little no, more? No, not related? really. It was uh, very. Little. They weren't putting up with that. No, huh? weren't putting up with
2: it. No, <laughs> they're trying off the hard, but it worked. <laughs>
0: what else you got, Peter? What else?
1: Yeah. So, I mean, as I mentioned, you know, passing legislation to limit these unelected officials, you know, and also limiting, you know, and stopping the mask mandates, the vaccine mandates. That's been a really big development. Because these, these things didn't begin in 2020. These things were originally enacted decades ago, you know, mm. giving these health authorities massive power. This all goes back to the push for technocracy, abolishing our constitutional republic and replacing it with a technocracy. So finally, state legislators are putting an end to that. And then also, another legislative development is the, is the growing realization that election integrity is important. Because with election integrity... That began many decades ago. It didn't begin in 2020. Yeah, I mean, Kurt Hyde, our election integrity expert, mm-hmm. he first became interested in the issue in 1986. Yeah. I have
0: an article from Kurt uh, where he talks about how the lack of tracing the with paper ballots will lead to a lot of uh, tampering, or it, at least it will make the entire process prone to tampering. Yeah. All the way
1: in 19, back in 1986. And our CEO emeritus, Art Thompson, he uh, frequently talks about a friend of his who ran for public office, and there was proven vote fraud in that election that likely caused his friend to lose election when he actually won. Right. And that was back, in I think, in the 70s.
0: Well, there was an election, I think, in 2018, right, in North Carolina
1: that was overturned. Yeah, it was actually an election for for Congress, and the candidate who won— uh, the election was actually nullified a few months later because because it was discovered that there was illegal ballot harvesting right. in that election. Right, right. Mm-hmm. And
0: they, they always like to say that, you know, that there's
1: never been enough of
0: fraudulent activity to, to actually swing swing an election, which is obviously bull crap.
1: Yeah, it's it's happened many times before. Lyndon Johnson really began his political career through vote fraud. Yeah. He won election to the US Senate. Mm -hmm. in, uh, I think, 1948, and his opponent would have won had it not been for him and his supporters rigging the elections. And there are so many other examples. I mean, non-citizens voting, uh, the poor uh, absentee ballot policies, which have existed for for decades already, Mm -hmm. and then the policies where now Election Day has become Election Month, all yeah. this began long before 2020, but now because of the even more extreme measures that happened, such as mail-in ballots, drop boxes, drop boxes things like that, you know, people are finally waking up. And then also the 2020 general election yeah. where Trump supposedly lost, even though I, I really think he actually won, you know, had it not been for what would happen, you know, finally, you know, the people and even state legislators are finally waking up. Right, and there's a slew of states who have tried or have implemented some
0: form of uh, re- election restoration uh, measures.
1: Do you have how, do you, how many of those? What What do you got on that? Uh, I don't have the numbers right in front of me, but it's it's probably around in the roughly around the same number of states that have passed that have limited. I mean, we have states like Texas, right. Georgia, with rather big bills um, that have changed all sorts of things, uh, and then we have. S- states that have made smaller reforms like Montana, uh, Arizona, right. um, Kansas, several other states.
0: Tell us about the Georgia bill, though, because you had written about that. And judging from what you wrote, it wasn't like as great a improvement as perhaps they were touting it to be.
1: Yeah, it was not as great of as, a, as an improvement as they were as they were claiming. Mm-hmm. I mean, for example, they expanded early voting when it really should have Uh, been cut and completely abolished. And And it legalized drop boxes, right? Which were not being used before. Yep, drop boxes were were only introduced in Mm -hmm. Georgia and really every other state during Mm COVID-19, after that began. And it was only introduced because some executive bureaucratic agency, none of its members are elected, but they uh, ordered the ballot drop boxes to be implemented. All right. So then the Georgia legislators come around and then they essentially institutionalize ballot drop boxes, mm-hmm. even though the state legislator never actually voted on them beforehand.
0: But what are, they they implemented at least some in some form of an ID, right? A voting ID. Was that mm-hmm. one of the, the— Right,
1: for absentee yeah. ballots. Yeah. Yeah. It, so it's better than nothing, I guess, right? <laughs> it is better than nothing. Uh, but, you know, they, they could have done better. Mm. Uh, but the, I think That's the right. bottom line is even bills like that, it's— it, It's a good start, you know, because... If it weren't for the 2020 election, if it weren't for what we saw, right. the state legislators wouldn't be passing anything in the first place. Right. So the 2020 election revealed
0: something that was mm-hmm. already in place. Now, there was a lot of hubbub about what happened in Georgia. They took the all-star game Wait, What was like? What, what is it like there now? Has Has that died down or is there still that, that propaganda that this, uh, this of course, is a, a racist voting rule?
2: Yeah, I don't think so. I know that uh, there's voter g um, they actually revealed and showed uh, discrepancy in the voting process so that it goes on and they're doing reforms as a matter of fact they won some of uh, legal battles in Georgia mm-hmm. revealing uh, what really would happen but they're taking a the piece at a time but it shows certainly fraud we, 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 we know it happened we know it happened for sure and uh, the question is is it wasn't everywhere it was uh, only in certain counties uh, county I live in didn't have that problem, but other counties, which were, uh, which were large in numbers, was mm-hmm. easy to do. And of course, the candidate loses by only by a small percentage, never by a lot, because they want to reveal how how corrupt the system is. So, but there's also also we found out there was 26 percent of evangelicals that didn't vote. So you know think about that, and they sort of knew that, but you can't manufacture that many votes. So um, there's a lot there's a lot in play, but I think you're right. The, the process of uh, election integrity, that issue has come up and made people really aware. If we lose good election integrity, what's the point of having what we have? Right. We'll never ha- and elect anybody who's worthwhile, and that's the problem. So we had this current one with Governor Newsom, right? And he won supposedly by a majority. And, he won by
0: a lot, Yeah, apparently. and I
2: talked to some of the people in California. They can't believe it. Really? Uh, yeah, I've, I've got, you know, unverifiable Twitter account says, uh, I appeared up to the voting booth to go vote, and they said, you voted already. He said, no, I'm here to vote. Oh. It was up to about 4,000 or so in Woodland Hills, which is the northern part of LA. So that happened. So here we go again, you know. And uh, so uh, it exposes it once again. Yeah. You know?
1: Anything else on that front, Peter? Well, I think just the bottom line, state legislators and— you know the American people in general are waking up that mm-hmm. you know the elections need to be reformed, and uh, you know state legislators you know they, they they haven't done everything that they should be doing, but at least they're starting to realize that something needs to be done to restore election integrity.
0: Right. I want to add also that since since uh, Mike Lindell's election symposium. Mm-hmm. One of the things that has been happening, or maybe it was starting beforehand is we, we've done some articles here at the new Ameri- uh, at the New American and whatnot is that there, there's a lot of momentum, it seems to be, a lot of traction building on these little uh, election integrity, restoring election integrity. Uh, movements within states, uh, the legislators that were either there or are influenced by people who are there, uh, they're they're starting these movements, and and we've been hearing about it. So uh, again, that's that's obviously a highlight that COVID COVID era, the COVID mania, brought something to light that was that uh, it was already a broken system to begin with. So another one that I like to bring up is. And by the way, we have a Restore Election Integrity Action Project at JBS.org. We have ways to start an election integrity committee wherever you are. For the most part, election integrity takes place on the state level. So it's important that folks who are listening, they realize you're empowered to do it within your state, which is another reason they're trying to pass for, for the People Act, right? They're trying to take that power away. How are, how are we on that bill anyway? Is there a vote coming up or what's going on for the People Act?
1: Yeah, and yeah, next week, the Senate will be voting on a, a certain version of that bill it's been renamed. I can't remember the the new name of the It's top already my been head. renamed. Yep. Yep. <laughs> what happens is is whenever whenever Congress, Is it cuz it started stinking so early? Wow. Yeah, whenever whenever the enemy you know, whenever Gee, we uncover some bad thing that the enemy is doing, they just change the name of it. But we will be coming out with the legislative alert which names the bill, you know, has the bill number. I don't have the information <laughs> Wait, with me right now, <laughs> but yeah.
0: I didn't know it was renamed. And there's nothing for the people about for the People Act.
1: Oh, no. What no. is it?
0: Wait, he's looking it up. I'm curious to know what it's named now.
1: Oh, that'll <laughs> take some time. doesn't say. Doesn't uh, say yeah. But I'll keep on
2: going here. So we'll look for the new name. Man. All
0: right. All right. So the one I wanted to bring up <laughs> is... It's the
2: Corrupt Politician Act. That's <laughs> what it is. <laughs>
0: How's
2: that one? That's a good one.
0: Yeah. The, one I, the, the issue I want to bring up is homeschooling homeschooling has, I think it's almost tripled. I believe within the last year, it went from 3% to 11%. And COVID has been a major, major reason because people, you know, people realize, first of all, during the COVID era, that they can actually do more to educate their children than they previously thought. And then they realized, um, mm-hmm. you know, they didn't want their kids to be masked all day. So that kind of prompted more homeschooling but homeschooling has been a topic that we've been pretty uh, we've been pretty vocal about uh, and especially Alex Newman who you know has been talking about we've been writing articles about the dangers of public school essentially uh, for anyone who doesn't know public school is not only academically dismal also uh, it's emotionally, it causes a lot of harm to these kids. And it indoctrinates them with anti-American Marxist views. So anyway, I hears I see here that the Census Bureau has reported that that households with school aged children practicing homeschool doubled between the spring and fall of 2020, growing from 5.5% to eleven. Mm 0.1%. So anyway, here's some information from the National Home Education Research Institute about the benefits of homeschooling. It says, research facts on homeschooling show that Home educated are doing well, typically above average, on measures of social, emotional, and psychological development. Research measures include peer interaction, leadership skills, family cohesion, participation in community service, and self esteem. Uh, so, 87% of peer reviewed studies on social, emotional, and psychological development show homeschool students perform statistically significantly better than those in conventional schools. Sure. So, and and there's, there's tons of numbers and statistics that basically say that homeschooling is better than uh, public schools, than government schools, whether it be how they do as adults, whether how prepared they are for the world, whether how prepared they are for college. Mm-hmm. Homeschoolers excel above government school students on all facets of those. We do have an action project again this is something that we that we really focus on it's it's called save our children from public schools. We divulge the problems with public schools uh, that have been existed for a very, very long time, which is another part again why COVID how COVID mania has improved things, because there's more people pulling their kids out of these destructive government schools, which are partly to blame for the craziness that we're seeing, whether it be the riots, whether it be suicide rates, whether it be anti Americanism, anti capitalism, you know, there's no other explanation for how you can take the most successful society and raise generations of people who who are antagonistic to it now that we're getting kids out of government schools we you know we we want to talk about some alternatives to uh, talk about freedom project academy which is an affiliate of the john birch society it's very effective it's very beneficial and you can do it online you can watch it afterwards uh and it's been proven to, to be very very good for for the kids who are learning it's it's done a lot of good uh if you go to save our children from public schools you can see about all their alternatives to to public schools so with that being said, Wayne, how has COVID-mania improved or may improve things in the long run from on, on your end?
2: There? Yeah, well we'll we'll continue on with the homeschooling uh, process. So yeah, what happens is parents actually saw what, what their kids were actually being taught in school, and there were some oh, yeah. were, they're were amazed. It was you know, mathematics or uh, such education in the elementary grades which yanked them out of uh, school. But also the thing that I see is uh, critical race theory. Yeah, that's uh, Which is renamed. <laughs> it was renamed, was Gold 2000, you know. They changed the name, you know, same old story. And now they found out, you know, what it was all about. And of course where I, I'm at, they, they descended upon the school board and said, you're not gonna have this in our school. But they, they changed mean. the name, they call it social, social emotional learning. But the thing is, is that unintended consequences of COVID-19 really grew the homeschool movement because they found that kids were not being educated. Mm -hmm. It was an indoctrination center. Uh, Kids uh, wouldn't want to talk to their parents, told not to talk to their parents. Um, On and on it goes. They have social misfits, Um, really some really psychological issues. Suicide rate, by the way, for students has gone high. And you listen to what they're being taught, you know, questioning are they white or they're brown or they're this, Uh, you know, they're inept, you know, they're really a girl, they're really a boy. It has nothing to do with education. It was right. indoctrination. So that was goal. It's so a goal, and so that was engineer, oh absolutely. Factory. So that has really awakened people up. Uh, when you get to their family, their kids, then they get serious, and that has really helped a lot. Uh, you're right. So stats, I think, are even higher in homeschool, or they gone to private schools because mm-hmm. that number is, is doubled as well, uh, because they know the public school is not the place for the kids to be. Right. Play. So that's what I see, which is a good thing. So. People are certainly awakened to the problem. And um, so that's, I call, unintended consequences. This is what happened, which is a good thing, Uh, which opened the eyes of a lot of things. Um, And being out in the communities with fairs and speeches, people are upset. They know their freedoms are being infringed upon, and they want to do something about it. So at the Burt Society, at jbs.org, our website, We have a whole section uh, dedicated to constitution course called Constitution is the Solution. We also have what the Bill of Rights are. People Mm -hmm. said my Bill of Rights, my rights are being violated. We said, well, do you know what they are? (laughs) Other than the first and second amendment, they get lost. So we actually have a series on the website talks about our rights and where they come from. So all those things open doors for us on educating the public to take that emotion and they'll do something good with it. So we descend now on the state legislators, as uh, Peter was talking about, you know, about election integrity and the issues. Now they're being more involved in the state legislators questioning why certain legislation Mm. exists. So that's the the awakening. It's not just where I live, it's throughout the United States. So this is the trend, which is good, and we certainly have a response to it with education opening their eyes.
0: Well, the trend seems to be a general, I mean, those are just two examples of a wide scope of people awakening to the fact that, you know, among other things, not just what they're teaching in schools and that, you know, our elections are prone to tampering. What people are awakening to is that we live in a society, in a Western society, where our governments are prone to completely totalitarian actions. I mean, where else would people have guessed before 2020, that they would put you on house arrest in the United States of America Mm -hmm. over a disease. Even after it was discovered, this thing, first of all, not only is there treatment for it, but the mortality rate, uh, even for people above 70, I think the most is like one and a half percent, if we can even trust that number. Mm -hmm. Uh, Nevertheless, what we know is it's not as deadly as they want to make it sound, and there's treatment for it. Nevertheless, I mean, they're just, they keep going. They keep going. I mean, now, now, of course, we have uh, vaccine mandates. Mm-hmm. And, and people are realizing, like, holy crap. I mean, they're just going to keep going until you are, you are, uh, you know, I don't a number, <laughs> a number, a number, yeah, yeah. <laughs> until you're a number in a system, and you have to get permission to do anything. And there's so there's this this awakening. Also,
1: know? it's a lot worse in other countries, right. Americans are able to see that. I mean, in Australia, for example, people in Australia cannot leave the country either. And even if you're an Australian citizen who lives permanently in, a, in another country, yeah, and you got stuck in the country, you're not allowed to go home. No either. kidding, I didn't know that. I know Australia
0: yep. is really, really bad. Yeah. Alex had a great video, I think, the other days, like deep state and or what is it, the New World Order yep. in Australia. Yeah. Uh, you know, they're getting, their, they're getting their feet wet there. The New World Order is in Australia. Mm-hmm. I mean, those people, I, that stuff is crazy. Like, you can't walk a certain... There's like, you have an invisible fence, uh, how far you can get away from your home. Mm-hmm. Uh, they also, you, only one person from your home can actually go and buy, uh, go to the grocery store. I mean, they're completely insane. It's yeah. completely insane. And this is Australia. We're not talking about
1: China here. Yeah, and also the government of Australia is a... a uh, supposedly conservative-leaning government. Yeah. <laughs> so if the conservatives are doing this tyranny, what will the Socialist Party of Australia do well, if they're elected? Right. <laughs> and
0: they're building quarantine. I think they already have – it's called Well Camp, right? The quarantine yeah. camps in Australia. This is happening. This is happening in 2021. And there, it, I don't think it's, it's crazy to say that this – this is the kind of stuff they want to bring here. They want to bring vaccine mandates. We know that. Mm-hmm. And and who knows how far they want to go? Actually, I, I think we know how far they want to go. Of course, We've been talking about this for of a long course. time. Obviously, we, we never said that this is how they're going to do it. You know, we didn't know that, you know, in 2021 or whatnot. But we've been saying that the the apparatus is there. There is a, a global elite, a cabal uh, that works through a network of, of government and media and the corporate world, other ways to basically to wield this power Mm -hmm. to enslave you. That's what this comes down to. Mm -hmm. And people are awakening. The John Birch Society is, we're growing in membership because people are realizing Mm -hmm. um, that we've been right, you know. For a long time. What's our upcoming campaign called? Do you believe us now? Do you believe
2: us now? And they (laughs) actually say, boy, you guys are right for so many years. Yeah. Because they're seeing the Orwellian effects of what's happening. It is Orwellian. And uh, they're scene, it. You're right. And uh, they can't believe it. So one of the things that we try to teach people is our Constitution and our Bill of Rights and who we really are as citizens. And what is the boundaries? We talk about the overreach of governments. And the reason why it happens at all is because Americans don't even know who we are as a country any longer. We're never taught that. So one of the beauties of the Birch Society has been teaching them American principles. right? And now they're going uh, on, other than screaming and yelling, to visiting a legislator and said, how can you possibly do this? This is unconstitutional, and it's against our our rights as citizens. And then we see a lot of pending lawsuits when mm-hmm. the mandates come out. So it's a nice try, but they have to push the envelope. right? And uh, so we're seeing various governors, I think just 27 in the United States now says, they're going to sue the federal government for these mandates for mandatory vaccines. Well, I
0: think some of those lawsuits have already been filed. Yeah, I think
2: yeah, there's 27. Yeah. Most of them are Republican-based governors.
0: Yeah. How, do you have any idea, Peter, what, what how many lawsuits have already been
1: filed? I mean, this was just last week, and I think they're already already filed a few. I think but. one or two. I know the Ala- the Arizona attorney general yeah. filed a lawsuit. I'm not sure about the other states, but I think at least one other has been already yeah. been filed. Yeah.
2: I know that Georgia mentioned they were going to do that with
0: overreach against in Florida, yeah. for sure. Several governors have, yeah. have announced yeah. that yeah. they will do that. Yeah.
2: But and I think uh, our president administration, they're just mouthpieces for the, for the globalists. Right. right. They're not act- They. I think they're not that stupid. They're fully aware of what they're trying to do. But now this is a worldwide program. And I think globalists we've been talking about must be pretty, they must laugh at night, to have people walk around mask and this is worldwide. And yeah. you know, you mentioned about uh, overreach. I mean, if you want to get medicines, very inexpensive medicines that work to uh, combat COVID-19 uh, instead of the jab, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, they're actually restricting inbound medication or dispensing medication that works because they want you to use only one choice. And so there's always a question, in which is a conversation for another time, on really what's inside these things. You know, right. they won't tell you the ingredients because I think you find out you would never take it, nor would I. So those are the kind of things that are awakening people like, what's the big push here? What is this really all about? Because you said the survival rate's over 99%. And if you have pre-existing conditions, you have some problems, but you can solve those too. So you know what really, what's the game here? And uh, so it's all about psychological warfare, instilling fear Mm -hmm. in people. When people are fearful, remember psychological, then they do things which are kind of not as normal as they normally would do, so they're fearful. Like for example, I don't know about you two, but when you walk down the grocery store aisle, people avoid you, right? They move to the side or down the sidewalk, they go across the street, they want to get closer contact. I took a shower, by the way, so I thought it was good. But, uh, you know, I said, what is this all about? And they're so fearful that uh, the viruses are gonna jump from you know 20 feet or so. But, you know, those are the kind of things you can see plays on people, and it's causing an effect. Short tempers, mm-hmm. argumentative, and the list goes on, but they know that, and they, that's the game they're playing, psychological warfare, and they know it works, and they understand the psychology of people. So, uh you can see the effects of it worldwide.
0: right. People are realizing how fragile liberty is. Mm-hmm. And i don't think I don't think we knew that before, and you know you're speaking of people realizing that worldwide. there are apparent there's some reporting says that there there have in three hundred European cities, hundreds of thousands have gathered to protest these COVID passports. Uh, I believe they've passed them in France. And is there any other countries where they- Italy, they made the mandatory for yeah. all people. Yeah. 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 So so they've passed them in at least those two. And you, obviously, they're having those conversations about passing them in others. England says that for now, they're going to hold off. But you, th- those are also countries where they have, I think the numbers are up, up over 80% of people have already been vaccinated. Nevertheless, mm-hmm. it appears those who either don't want to or at least just want the liberty to 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 choose uh, are coming together. I've, some of the footage I saw, I believe it was in Greece, it was like violence broke out, uh, you know, mm-hmm. so uh, that could be part of the plan as well. I wouldn't be surprised. Uh, but the overall concept, the overall idea is that it does seem bad, and in, t- in some ways, it obviously is. Uh, there was always a plan to bring something that would basically. Uh, submerge the entire world into a, a global system and they're always talking about the great reset what are they talk about that everything has to change mm-hmm. uh, that's what they want that's what they've been working through it, it's out in the open uh, you know you you will own nothing and you will be happy <laughs> uh, you're going to eat bugs you know <laughs> what? I mean it's already there there are powerful forces but there's no way to hide this anymore who want to change how we live mm-hmm. and you can't can't do that when you have a populace who demands liberty, who demands that they, uh, that we do, you know, that we live in freedom, mm-hmm. and so that's what this comes about, and ultimately. The silver linings of COVID mania have been that people are awakening to realize how fragile liberty is. So with that, let's let's go into some actions. People want to know what can we do, what not. Now, we had mentioned that we have two action projects already, whether it be Restore Election Integrity. We definitely need to restore election integrity. You can go there and and you can form a commuti- uh, committee, you can get involved in perhaps a local movement. And then, of course, when it comes to education, we need to, pretend to prevent the next generations from, uh, from growing up with these Marxist ideals and lacking in liberty ideals. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's that. Get those kids out. What else can we do? Uh, Wayne? Well, I think
2: you mentioned election integrity. That's really important. People know the election process is flawed. So that's yeah. really now they see that. So the uh, backlash from that is that now they're inspecting how elections mm-hmm. are done, even the local levels. Yeah. And I think it turned people to look at state legislators more. I see that you know, as I travel around, and I, we encourage that because state legislators have a lot more power. That's what the nullification is all about, Article 6, is that they can turn back and say, no, we don't need your overreach from the federal government. And so it's even our own state legislators don't even know their powers of nullification. So we spend time in uh, various legislators telling them about it yeah. and reminding them what the powers that they have. So I think people are seeing that, you know, we need to spend time more at home, you know, with our state legislators, not just our federal mm. uh, representatives. But I think that's really a big plus. So that's one. Uh, the one that we also have is support your local police. People are getting to know who our local sheriffs are and our police department no, we have that program because we want to keep our law enforcement local, not right. national. And you mentioned a lot of this disruption and problems in the streets. They want that. They, the the administration wants that to enforce a national police force. They don't want a local police force.
0: And the sheriffs are able to, yeah, to hold back some of these. Uh, they won't enforce some of these draconian measures right. that they keep trying to push.
2: Yeah. And we see that. I mean, that's one of our key things is support your local police mm-hmm. keep it independent and that's really has been a really a up- a popular movement, more so than ever. Who are you guys? What would they do when right. there's a mandate? And would they go through door to door? And the people we talked to said, "No, we're not interested. We're trying to maintain the peace. Mm-hmm. We're not mass police people. We're not supposed to do that." And so it depends on where you live. And whoever hears this is that you ought to go see a local sheriff and your local uh, and your chief of police to find out where they are, right. because they need to understand, and uphold the Constitution, and respect our Bill of Rights. I think that's really important,
1: right? Yeah, and I mean, you you mentioned all the action projects. We also have a COVID nineteen action uh, project yeah, too. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, trying to stop all the tyranny coming out of that. Go figure. We and to mention that. I mean, we have multiple legislative alerts related to that. Mm. I mean, we have our national alert, uh, which also go- would go to state leg- legislators too. Uh, opposing vaccine mandates and vaccine passports. Right. And then we also have multiple single-state alerts uh, opposing those as well because we've seen state governments in California, Mm -hmm. New York, and even more states impose uh, both mandates and passports. And then also we have an alert opposing the coronavirus mask mandates and even a potential vaccine mandate for public transportation. Right. That's a lot.
0: By the way, we're going to have, we have links to all of these in the feed here on the podcast. I wanted to finish with a, with a call, a major call to action, which is basically to join the John Burr Society. And we're not, Mm -hmm. we're not shameful about that because... If, if we can get more folks involved, then we have to because we know now that there's no opting out of politics. You know, for years, people have been able to would say, well, you know what, I'm not just that in the politics. But now what do we have? We have a president who just said, we will come to your door. We will come to your door with the jab. That's essentially what he said. There is no getting out of this. Uh, so the best thing to do is to get involved. And we obviously recommend joining the John Birch Society. And we just listed several ways in which this activism does work. We saw in 2020, and we continue to see now, for instance, sheriffs all across the country nullifying uh, mask mandates. Peter, you had mentioned where the people, through their legis- uh, state legislatures, uh, le- legislators, took power from these unelected uh, public uh, health boards and gave them to the people by way of the commission or whichever local way. Uh, it works. It, it really, really works. And that's where we are now. The, if we continue to, to speak out, if we continue to be activists, to, to stay in touch, to keep, uh, to keep uh, track of what they're doing and then using the tools that we have within the system, uh, we can push back on this. Uh, it's, it's already shown to work. So with that, any last words, guys?
1: Well, we need to uh, get organized and get active. And only if we do that, then we can uh, save our republic and roll back the tyranny that's been imposed over many decades.
2: Absolutely. And so it's up to individual responsibility. Citizens need to take individual responsibility. Be involved and learn about who we are and push back. Be right. They'll come bang on your door. And uh, I think people are aware that's possible now. And so now that was was a sobering comment to wake up. So they needed that because they were very apathetic. It's a wonderful and cushy American life. Now it's being threatened. And they're using it through a boogeyman called COVID-19. And they'll use anything uh, with terrorism. Remember, it's a psychological warfare. Mm -hmm. And so people see that and they're seeing through it all. And, uh, you know, the people who are unvaccinated, they're the enemy now, right? Right. And uh, so the answer is that people who are unvaccinated said, no, time. Out. I'm giving a reason why that I'm not doing this. And uh, so I see that as a, uh, an awakening on that side. And so there's a, there's a lot going on. There's a lot of revealing happening mm-hmm. here. But uh, we have the action problems at JBS because I see a lot of groups forming in the United States. Right. But they're single groups. You talk about that all the all time. Only single groups, like yeah. uh, all about election integrity or it's about COVID-19. And when Mr. Welch formed the Birch Society, he said, I say, well, all these individual freedom groups, and they're operating like a shotgun. We need to operate like a rifle. So let's put everybody together and look at our agenda to fight the globalists. You can't do it one at a time. And I think people are realizing that. that but, you know, they're eagles, you know, they think they got it all figured out. And uh, whoever hears that, you don't. And because there's a lot more involved here than one issue, on mm-hmm. uh, the underlying COVID is world government, and we have to we identify how they do it and what they will do, and our process to expose them exposure because the enemy hates exposure. That's the head of the beast. Absolutely. So I think jbs.org our website has lots of tools, and thanks for all the new members we've gotten over the last couple of years, and we're just beginning because the truth is out, and the enemy hates exposure. The enemy hates light. And the truth, and they can't hide from it. So they have to put on false Trojan horses to keep you off balance.
0: Well, gentlemen, thank you so much for joining me. And uh, those listening, get involved and uh, let's take back our country. Absolutely. Thank you, Thanks, Paul. Paul.